mind turning your Bibles to Philippians 1, 1 through 11, and I'll read that as an introduction to our introduction to Philippians. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I have longed after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's pray again. Father in heaven, enlighten us by the Holy Spirit, who is the one that gave us this scripture in the first place through your servant Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and who gives us the understanding through the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit of the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The writer Paul was known as Saul of Tarsus wrote this book of Philippians during his first imprisonment in Rome. He wrote it approximately between the time of 60 and 64 AD. The year AD 60 finds the apostle Paul a prisoner in Rome. According to Acts 20, 30, and 31, he was confined to his own hired house, being chained to various guards every six hours. So I'm going to go ahead and turn to that scripture, Acts 28, 30 through 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So in other words, he was allowed to teach to his heart's content, but he could not preach publicly. And he could write, and write he did. He wrote literally volumes which uh, comprise the majority of the New Testament books. 
It was therefore at this time, some 10 years after his original visit to Philippi, that we will hear about shortly, that Paul wrote the epistle to the Philippians, his favorite church. Can I say that? This is pastors have their favorite congregations. <laughs> and you're it. <laughs> the church. Paul founded the church there during his second missionary trip in the midst of a storm of persecution. It was the first church that the Apostle Paul founded in Europe. The church at Philippi was the result of a supernatural vision from God in which at Troas during his second missionary trip he sees this man of Macedonia in Acts 16 8 through 10 Acts 16 8 through 10 and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had been and seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord hath called us for to preach the gospel unto them. When the Lord calls, you answer. When the Lord calls, you respond immediately. To do otherwise is to be dilatory in your service to Christ. The beginnings of that work were small, among a few women at the riverside, of all things, washing their clothes so that they can take care of the laundry for the, the day or for the week, so that they can attend the, the more important task of prayer. And so in Acts 16, 13 through 15, Acts 16, 13 through 15. And on the Sabbath, the day of rest, Saturday, we went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. Focus on those words, where prayer was wont to be made. That's not want with an A, which means lacking, but want with an O, which means that it was their practice. The ladies prayer meeting. And you know what? I'm so grateful that the ladies of our church have a prayer meeting that they have been practicing. Saturday after Saturday, year after year, for almost half, if not longer, of the history of this congregation. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, that's the dye that is used to dye the robes of kings and queens and aristocrats of the city of Thyatira which worshipped God she was what's called a God fearer she adopted the religion of the Jews the true religion of the covenant God of scripture she heard us and note this next phrase whose heart the Lord opened that is the work of God that is a work that accompanies the faithful preaching of the word. That is a work that we must pray for and 
Can I say, expect God to accomplish when the gospel is preached, when we are in obedience to him in the Great Commission. That she attended unto the things which were spoken upon. And that's the, that's the evidence. The evidence is, whoa, they can't have enough of this. They can't, they can't have enough of this. They're hungry and thirsting after righteousness. They're like those of Berea, which were more noble than those of Thessalonica, who are of a ready mind and search the scriptures daily. Whether these things were so, they were not going to allow anyone, not even the Apostle Paul, to deceive them. And so they searched the scriptures, just like in a former time when uh, we who are uh, yearlings, we were uh, newbies, uh, babes in Christ, in, uh, in, in a former church, had our Bible, had our notebook, and our pencil or our pen. A lot of us started out with pencils. We were, we were that young, okay? <laughs> and I tell you, it paid off. It paid off because of what the Lord has blessed us with in terms of understanding of the Word of God. Just don't depend upon the Holy Spirit. Just don't depend upon prayer. Depend upon this mind that God has given you because he's given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If we don't exercise these things, then we are the ones who are the losers. But not so with Lydia, because she attended unto those things which were spoken of by the Apostle Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, this was a household salvation. This is what's called covenant Baptism and covenant salvation. She besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. This was probably the first house church in Europe, the house of Lydia. And by the way, most churches were, were, were small, and most churches were house churches, believe it or not. And so our small beginning in houses and in, in parks, Melville Park, Roar Park, J Street, we should not despise the day of small things. So we do not know what God is doing. She was soon joined by the Philippian jailer and his family, according to Acts 16, 25 through 32. So moving on in this chapter, Acts 16, 25 and following to 32. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They were in prison. <laughs> expect to be persecuted. They were in prison. But they made, they made good of their time there, did they not? They prayed and what else? And sang praises unto God. They had a worship service. It was probably the Lord's Day at the time. Who knows? Or, or uh, Yes, the Lord's Day. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Because he knew that his neck laid on the line because he did not fulfill his covenant with the powers that be to keep the prisoners. And now they're gone, or at least 
So he thought. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Can you imagine one of the prisoners saying, Don't worry about it. No one's left the prison. We're all here. And you have your job. And by the way, your life too. <laughs> then he called for a light, this prison guard, and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas on his knees, on his face perhaps. And, and then said these words that echoed through the generations of the church. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, that men would ask that question today. So few, so few, it seems, ask the right question. And this, there's no question that is closer to the question perennial, the eternal question that, that, that should be asked of all of us or by all of us. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life? Now perhaps his motivation uh, was in part uh, uh, his, his still fearing for his life, but perhaps not, because he was assured, after all, by the apostles that, that they're all there and that his life is preserved. But maybe perhaps as the gospel permeated through that prison house over that period of time that the apostle Paul was there, as he continued to speak the gospel, as he continued to teach the word of God, as they continued to worship God, as they continued in their incessant prayer to God, and not just for their deliverance, but for the deliverance of those that are truly in prison, who are in a prison that... They will never escape their entire lives and will, be in, and will be in eternal hell forever and ever. And so that question is the most appropriate question. And the answer given that was by the apostles was the appropriate answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they went on to speak to him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house so that they might be saved. That ends the reading. These Lydia and her household with the Libyan jailer and his family and a few others became the nucleus of the church that started in Philippi. The Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Now there are key characteristics of this epistle because we are, we are talking about uh, the epistle to the Philippians. And the first is love. Actually love, joy, and peace. The first is love. This book serves as an open window into the apostle's heart. It contains outbursts of warm affection and gratitude and praise. It is the most personal of the apostles' letters to the churches, with more than a hundred first-person pronouns in its four short chapters. A hundred. And he refers to his readers as brethren on six occasions, and beloved on two. 
also to show how dear he was to them. He received more financial support from this little church more than any other. It says in Philippians 4, 15 and 16, Philippians 4, 15 and 16, Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated, that means give, give monetarily, with me, communicated with me, as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Imagine he publicly commends them. I don't think necessarily for the purpose of chiding the others, but, but certainly uh, honor is, is, is to whom honor is due. Am I, am I not right? 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. So even when he was somewhere else ministering elsewhere, they provided for him when they found out his needs. It's sort of like in our denomination when our churches support our missionaries when they find out that there's a need and, and even some of our sister churches that are in other countries like uh, most of them are the Philippines. And when there's uh, terrible typhoon that hits like the worst typhoon in the whole history of the Philippines uh, back in 2014 and it was, a, it was amazing the outpour of, of love and, and concern and, and money it was just truly truly a blessing and that's just how God's people are and that's because of love and so Philippi seems to have been his favorite church of all joy the secret and source of this joy is Christ, which name in various forms appears 70 times in this book. 70. Can you count them? Oh, you can count them. <laughs> can it be? Is it possible to offer praise and to write of joy from a prison as he did? Well, think about this. Why not? If he and Silas did it from a jailhouse at Philippi... <laughs> You know, you can do anything if the Lord is with you. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, which is in this book. The words joy and rejoicing are found no less than 18 times in Philippians, more than any other biblical book its size. Joy in prayer, such as in Philippians 1.4, you turn to it. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with what? Joy. Joy in the gospel, verse 18 of chapter 1. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. It doesn't matter what the motivation is. You know, sometimes us pastors don't get along too well with each other, but you know what? If, if, we still give out the word. We can rejoice in the gospel going out as the apostle Paul did. Joy in Christian fellowship in Philippians 2, 1 and 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Which means to say that we have to work at this, not work at having joy. 
but work at unity, work at having peace. But to accomplish this, we, might, we must have the joy which is in Jesus Christ. The joy in knowing that, that these people that are part of the body of Christ, as though, uh, though we may be a motley crew, though we, we may be a Heinz 57 variety church, and all of the delineations and differentiations that make us unique in the sight of God, though we be in the image of God, will not stop us because of the joy of the Lord as our strength. Joy and sacrifices for the cause, Philippians 2, 17 and 18. Yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. This could have several implications, one of which could be just the challenges of ministry, uh, the, the, the challenges of bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Or perhaps, in, in the case of, of a few, the challenges of martyrdom and of continuing to press on forward in the and the advancement of God's kingdom, even under those dire circumstances, such as what the Apostle Paul faced with his life on the chopping block, and soon that would come to pass. Such a joy in Christian fellowship and in sacrifices for the cause. And then there is the joy in the Lord. In Philippians 3, 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, and not just in good times either, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, or always. And again, I say rejoice. I always want to put an S after always. <laughs> Joy for the love and care of his church, Philippians 4.10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful. They were worried, let's say, or anxious but it's because you lacked opportunity. Through their lack of, of being able to help the Apostle Paul, to care for the Apostle Paul, even as he cared for them, they felt bad. They felt like, oh, oh, that we could be able to show them, him, how much we love him and care for him and want him to be in the best possible way. Though we know that his life is in jeopardy. And we come to peace, love, Joy, now peace. For its size, Philippians speaks more about Christian peace and unity than the other biblical books. Not together, but separately. Maybe because of the variety, Heinz variety, if you will, of its founding members. You know how God throws people together and they come from all walks of life. For example, I mentioned Lydia, an Asian businesswoman. God saved from Judaism. She was a God-fearer, as I had noted earlier. A Greek soothsayer whom God saved from demonism that kept on going after the Apostle Paul, saying he was the servant of God, and finally that came to a head, and that was why he ended up in that Philippian jail. A Roman jailer whom God saved from emperorism. That means calling the emperor kurios, which is Lord, instead of Jesus, Lord. Well, she was now calling, or I should say he was 
now, as of his conversion, saying that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So those three converts, representing three nationalities, Jewish, Greek, and Roman, has an interesting effect. You would think, oh, wow. How are we going to work this out? You know, we have all these differences. Why not keep on praying and keep on relying upon that gospel that brings us together, that is our common faith, that is our like precious faith, and trust in the Lord and give us, to give us wisdom and give us patience and to give us strength and to give us this ability to confront one another speaking the truth in love and believe that God is going to unite us in our service to him. And you know, in a, in a place like San Diego that has such a, a, a vast variety of, uh, of these things, as you know, for, for the different reasons that, uh, that it attracts people, the military, schools, and and just a, a wonderful place to live. I mean, the best place in the whole world. <laughs> How can you beat the weather, right? Um, that, that the Lord wants us to evangelize it and to see people from all walks of life, from different nationalities, from different racial and ethnic backgrounds, to be part of his church. In our former church, we did house-to-house -house evangelism and open-air preaching, and we saw that happen where people from, from every major race was in the church. And there were others also that uh, the Lord brought along, such as Timothy, a, a helper, a close companion of the Apostle Paul, especially in his first imprisonment in Rome. And later he would receive two letters from the Apostle Paul. And then also another one, Epaphroditus. Name one of your children that sometime. <laughs> Uh, a, a wonderful testimony of someone who gave, who gave uh, lovingly and sacrificially, even almost with his own life, except that the Lord healed him and was the bearer of gifts to the Apostle Paul for the church. And then Paul, of course, in this writing, assured them that, that he, was, uh, he was well and he thanked them for him and reported good news of his recovery. And then there was uh, Udia, and uh, Syntyche, who were helpers also, who weren't really getting along. And this is always how the scriptures are. It doesn't hide things like, like a major eruption in relationships, but it, it brings them out to show the grace of God and how God can mend fences. And mend them he did. But it took the Apostle Paul speaking to that and saying, I beseech Iodias and I beseech Syntyche, meaning I'm pleading with them, please, ladies, get along, don't fight. Is it just among the ladies? <laughs> no, <laughs> not just the ladies. That you be of the same mind in the Lord, because that's the will of God for the whole church. And our love, joy, and peace are directly related to the last outstanding characteristic of this church, and that is it is a church that set forth Jesus Christ in this book of Philippians is contained probably the greatest theological passage on the person, on the deity, and manhood of Jesus Christ in all of the scriptures. And so I'd like to read Philippians 2, 5 through 11, 
right now. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Here we have the eternal deity of Christ, his incarnation, his humiliation, his obedience to the Father, his resurrection, and his exaltation and ascension back to his glory. And it ends with a promise that someday all the creation will bow in submission to him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then we are coming to the last point in, in this uh, introduction, and that is the great themes of each chapter. There's a theme a particular sub-theme, if you want to call it that. Uh, the theme of the whole book, I believe, is, is the love, joy, and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are sub-themes to be explored that we will begin to explore next time with the first one. And that is its life purpose, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as our life purpose. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 Jesus Christ as our life pattern. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ as our life's prize. Philippians 3.14 I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, Jesus Christ as our life's power. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So those are the chapter themes that we will explore beginning next week in the will of the Lord. So in summary, the book of Philippians was written to show the appreciation and love of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians in a thank you letter for their continued help and support and also to encourage their growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for the Sacramento Church, which to this day is such a generous and giving church and also a church that helped us to get our feet planted on the ground as consistory and spiritual counsel in terms of our church government and in terms of our being a truly 
um, well, a more God-honoring congregation, not just of our denomination, but of the, the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are thankful. And I have over the years expressed my thankfulness uh, to them for their service to the cause of Christ and his church. And so with these thoughts, let us pray. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to be introduced to this very, very personal, uh, very, uh, very meaningful and poignant letter of your servant, the Apostle Paul, at a time in his life when he could easily have chosen just to retire altogether from your service, but but even in his last moments in his life, as Lord, this and another imprisonment would eventually lead to in his uh, being executed for the faith, his being persecuted, made a martyr for the cause of the gospel. Lord, here he was, continuing to labor, labor earnestly, labor, Lord, uh, uh, diligently, labor without... Uh, concern for his own well-being out of love for the souls of those that he was used to bring to faith in your son Jesus Christ to birth into your church oh Lord thank you for this example and thank you Lord for this letter and for all of the uh, very important uh, truths and, uh, and outstanding themes in it that uh, would only serve to uh, make us to be more informed about your will, about your church and how we may uh, pray for it more intelligently and for your church and how we may build it more, more according to your specifications, Lord, because we are about that task. We are about that task, but remembering all the while that we are, uh, we are working with living stones, our Lord Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Oh, Lord, our God, thank you. For such a blessing, thank you for such a privilege. Thank you, O Lord, for your church. In the name of the head of uh, the church of God, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's now sing.